Oh no, no, don't do it. What'd you do? I don't want it to update. Stop. Don't update. Don't update. Now I can't get you back. Where are you? Hello? I'm here. I see yous. I hear yous. I don't know how to make it big again. That's what she said. Well. (laughs) How's it going over there? Are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Do you hear me? I hear you, but I don't have a video anymore. Oh, there it is. Weird. Okay. I'm back. Now I can't get you back. Where are you? Hello? All right. Shall we start? Okay, we're going to start right now. What's up? Episode 62? Good job. <laughs> you got there. Was uh, I'm... Don't Sorry. interrupt me. Yeah, I will. You're taking about 10 years. I'm going to interrupt you. This is I'm Sorry with the podcast. I'm Christina. I'm Amanda. Hey. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. It's Mother's Day when we're recording this. So happy mm-hmm. belated Mother's Day, even though this isn't coming out for another two weeks. Week and a half. Be be gracious. Sorry. Um Um. Um. Hey. Hey. We just recorded a couple days ago. I have no news. Do you have news? Um, I don't have news, but I have a funny story that like legit just happened. So it's Mother's Day. We're gonna go for like because we can't fucking go anywhere we're gonna go for a drive with the dogs and maybe like order a restaurant like get food out that's mm-hmm. our mother's day plans just taking the dogs for a drive and my dad's like i have to shower first i'm like okay well i gotta record so you got plenty of time so he showers and then i can hear him in mom's room like just chit-chatting and I walk in, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And dad is literally spread eagle with an open towel. Just, I didn't see anything, but I was like, oh my, oh my God, put it away. And mom's like, I just told him that. I don't know what his deal is. Sometimes you gotta air out, man. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I like was not expecting it because they were just like chatting, having a casual conversation. So I didn't even think about like walking into mom's like sewing room, and I was not expecting dad to just be spread eagle, like just flapping in the wind. Jesus, I like, uh, put a towel over it. And he's like, I have a towel. I'm like, why well, close it? Close your towel. I'm so screechy right now. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> Yesterday. I did explain to uh, Chris and Brandon about the third and fourth boob under your boobs that you have to tuck into your bra. Yeah. He didn't yeah. know. They didn't know about that. No, I just, I was just like, <laughs> so I changed. You just put a bra on, you put it on and then you got to tuck it all in where it belongs. Yeah. I was like, you know, you just like pop them in, got the B cups under the D cups. <laughs> <laughs> And like a little bit of the side too if you mm-hmm. reach around you pull it forward just to give it a mm-hmm. little bit more oomph. exactly i'm like now i got bigger boobs and less rib fat <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what the hell and then chris and i that was this big joke and then throughout the game that that was our like fetish as he'd play with my third and fourth boob <laughs> it's like ooh, you like that i know it's weird but <laughs> ew 
uncomfortable. That's funny. It was it was pretty good. <laughs> Twas good. Uh, dude, I tell you. <sighs> want to nap me too napping sounds glorious so should we record we get this Prob- done probably i mean love doing this for y'all but sleep is great sleep is the best what? okay i guess we can start now <laughs> right it's, i mean it's it's morning <laughs> okay on that note i'm gonna tell you a really des- depressing story great awesome it's a good okay so, <laughs> I have the a The segues funny... are, like, top-notch today. I know. They're just awesome. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to tell you the family anecdote that made me decide I was going to tell the story so that I could tell the family anecdote. Oh, so this is a story you chose so you could tell something else. No. I want... <laughs> no, just shut up. You'll get it when I tell you it. Okay. So, I'm telling you about Judith Evia Barzi. You guys will all know her as the voice of Ducky in Land Before Time. Oh, no. So, um, she was born in Los Angeles County, California on June 6, 1978. Uh, the daughter of Yosef Esteban Barzi and Maria Vera Vax. They were both immigrants to the U.S. from um, Hungary. Uh, and they both immigrated at different times and then met at a restaurant in California where Maria worked as a server. Okay. Uh, from the time that Judith was born, they, her mother, like, prepped her to become an actress. Oh. So, um, she taught her about posture and poise and voice. Uh, but her mother, like, that sounds bad, but her and her mother were super close. They were, she was a very nurturing mom. It wasn't... It like a like, stage mom kind yeah. of thing but it also was she wanted her to become a star okay uh and when she was five she was discovered by chance uh by a camera crew that was re- uh shooting so- a di- something at the ice skating rink that they were at and then over the next five years she appeared in over 70 commercials and a number of feature film roles um one was in fatal vision she played kimberly mcdonald uh and then she was um appeared in the movie jaws the revenge and she also recorded voiceovers like i said for the land before time as ducky and then i also didn't know this she was the voice for all dogs go to heaven Anne marie Mm -hmm. Anne marie i love that that's a movie that makes me cry every time too i know such a good movie (laughs) uh so by the time she was in fourth grade she was earning an estimated a hundred thousand dollars a year Uh, which helped her family buy a three-bedroom house in West Hills, Los Angeles. Uh, And before that, they were kind of like living on welfare. Okay. So, I mean, they weren't – her celebrity and her career, basically, and fame allowed her family to become – move from – to like a three-bedroom house in the West Hills of Los Angeles. Right. So, 100000 a year in the 70s and 80s is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. she was, though, extremely short for her age. She was just, at 10 years old, she only was 3 feet 8 inches in height. Oh, wow. So she uh, actually began receiving hormone injections at UCLA to encourage her growth. Okay. Uh, her petiteness actually led casting directors to cast her as small children that were younger than her actual age. So she was playing, like, 7- and 8-year-olds. 
um, when she was 10, which was good because you get a seven and eight year old and they may not be as developed as a 10 year old for reading and Mm -hmm. remembering. So she could play a seven or eight year old and have the the mental capacity of a 10 year old where she could remember her lines and speak clearly. And right. So because of that, her agent said that her success was due to the fact that she looked so much younger than she was and that she was such a bubbly, happy little girl. But so the hormone injections weren't because they, she couldn't get jobs. It was like a medical thing because she wasn't growing the way she should. Right. So she was a bubbly, happy little girl, uh, but her acting schedule allowed her, she didn't really have any friends um, or regular school attendants. She had one friend who was Lisa Williams, uh, who like lived close to her. So she'd go swim at her pool and um, she could see her a little bit more regular. And she said that she always indicated she missed being in school and she missed her friends a lot. Okay. And Lisa's mother said that she was the most polite child she ever met. And that, um, but there was always something like she was never allowed to go anywhere by herself. She was always watched closely. Okay. And very like her life was very much controlled by her parents. So um, behind closed doors, Judith and her mother, Maria, were uh, basically subjected to constant abuse at the hands of Judith's father. Um, As she gained more fame with the help of her mom, uh, Joseph became increasingly abusive, jealous, and paranoid. Um, So like I had said, they had, before her career took off, they had been living on welfare and struggled financially. Financially, So then her fame is what allowed them to um, kind of move up in the world. Uh, outside of the home, Yosef seemed to adore Judith. He would call her little one and act like she kind of was everything. But uh, as the abuse worsened and his alcoholism worsened, mm-hmm. the abuse began to spill out in front of people. Uh, so... They, the, her, the neighbors uh, first indicated that it wasn't anything crazy. It was just he would all of a sudden get really angry with her over little things. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like she, he was abusing her in front of them or like calling her names or anything like that. It would just he would get super mad about something that really wasn't a big deal. Like, um, why are you so upset? Um, yeah. So one instance, like example, was... Um, a neighbor recalled that Maria had arrived home with a kite for Judith and she was looking at it and playing with it. Yosef snatched it from her saying, you're going to break it. She cried because her father roughly ripped it out of her hands. And Yosef said, look at her. She's just a spoiled brat. Doesn't want to share her new Troy and then broke it into pieces. What the fuck? Why? Right. Oh my God. So, and also many people close to the family, which is really sad, um, said Judah's father spoke a number of times about killing his wife while other times saying he would kill his young daughter, leaving his wife behind to suffer. So there were people that had overheard this and no one did anything. What the fuck? Uh, Judith was terrified of her father. Uh, when she was cast to be in the movie Jaws, The Revenge, her and Maria had to travel to the Bahamas to film the movie on location. Before they left with a knife held to her neck, he warned Judith, if you do not come home, I will find you and I will cut your throat. Uh, They stopped in New York after visiting the movie and Judith spoke on the phone with her father and he said, remember what I told you before you left? And she started crying and ran to her room and then told her mother and the friend they stayed at what her dad had said. 
Like that's just terrifying <laughs> for a little girl. I just I don't like I don't even have words. So Maria and Judith returned home. Um, Joseph's alcoholism and drinking was get worse. So would his rage at his daughter. He would also do the cycle of abuse where he'd be like really mean and abusive to her, and then he would buy her things to make up for her. Super apologetic and. Um, it was at a party that they hosted it witnessed someone witnessed him pulling her hair and screaming at her in the kitchen but then the next day he bought her a pick a pink television and a full brand new bed set for her room uh he constantly threatened to kill himself maria and judith he was a raging alcoholic which led to three arrests for a dui uh in december of 1986 maria finally stepped forward and reported the abuse to police But then the police, uh, it seemed like they investigated it, but they found no signs of physical abuse. And then Maria did not press charges. Okay. So uh, he, after that incident, he allegedly cut back on the drinking, but he did continue to be verbally abusive and make threats. The more severe the abuse came, the more warning signs judith was showing so she had confessed to a friend that her father threw pots and pans at her causing a nosebleed she reportedly told family and friends she was afraid to go home because she knew her father wanted to kill her mother Uh, she began to put on weight and her behavior became very disturbing Um, she began very became very reclusive and started to self-harm she began to pluck out all of her eyelashes and then pulled out all of her cat's whiskers so oh she my was, god yeah so you could tell that this was affecting her emotionally and mentally mm-hmm. um in may of 1988 her uh her agent saw for the first time how bad judith really was so she would her agent would take her to casting calls and stuff she's very comfortable with her agent and judith was always very bright and bubbly and could perform and was never nervous or anxious about performing okay um the 10 year old was scheduled to audition um and it was uh, basically she was singing for the all dogs go to heaven part and she began to cry hysterically couldn't talk and just froze um so they had to reschedule the Um, audition and she got the part but like for this audition she just all of a sudden out of nowhere just had this like panic attack um so hansen because she knew some of the things going on in her home life stepped in she talked to her mother took her to a child psychologist with her mother and um they concluded that there was an extreme verbal mental and emotional problem with the child um the psychologist reported judith's case to children's services who um investigated and spoke with judith's mother and maria stated that she had plans to divorce her husband and move out of the family home she had a couple of months prior started to rent a separate apartment that was entire was she'd go there with um judith to like get away from her father during the day so it was like their hiding spot what the fuck so they said they were going to move into it but it wasn't entirely move-in ready there was things that she still had to buy for it so her agent hansen encouraged the move but maria told her in june that she wanted to stay in the home for judith's birthday and then move out uh, okay uh the investigation was dropped when maria assured the caseworker that she was planning on divorcing yosef and moving in her and judith into an apartment she also told the agent that she planned to cash her daughter's twelve thousand dollar federal refund check the day before her husband could get it 
So she was going to cash it and put it in savings for her so that they could move. Okay. Um, so then on Monday, July 25th, Judith missed an appointment with her agent, um, and she was last seen riding her bike in the neighborhood in the morning. Right, okay. So at about 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday, so three days later, the next-door neighbor, Eunice Daly, was watering her garden when she heard a loud bang next door and then saw smoke rising from the house. Her first thought was she went in to call 911 was, he's done it, he's killed them, and set fire to the house. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, sorry, my my thing's being weird. I can't hear myself. Um, but, oh, there we go. Seriously, like, do, uh, uh, how many people, I just... <laughs> Oh yes, yeah. Like she just, knew it. Like that's it's not her fault. I'm just saying there no. were so many people that saw the warning signs and saw what was going on and nothing was done. And I think it might be partially because it was the 70s and 80s and mm-hmm. it wasn't well, and, every it was kind of a mind your business culture like I guess and it's it's hard for me to fathom because I am like a mandated reporter because mm-hmm. of work. I have to, like I had to sign a thing saying that if I was to see anything, I have to bring it up or I can right. be held culpable for it. Mm-hmm. Well, not obviously not as bad as if I'm doing it, but like right. I there's it's like not even just warning signs; it's like blatant abuse right in front of people too. So right. that's it's just wild, just wild. Okay, go so, on. I'm prepared. Another neighbor, Michael Cutt, said he took the garden hose and opened a rear sliding door but could not get through the smoke to fight the flames. So what had occurred was that on Monday, July 5th, which was the last day Judith was seen riding around in her bike, mm-hmm. Yosef walked into Judith's room and shot her in the head as she slept. What the fuck? He then shot Maria, who came out of the bedroom to see what the hell that noise was, and he spent the next three days, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, wandering around the house while his wife and daughter's bodies were left where he had killed them. So he just hung out in the house with their bodies. But why? Did, why? What was the catalyst? I, I think he was just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at this point. Did he like, I wondered. The, I don't know if he found out about wind? the apartment. Yeah. If, there's no real evidence or reason why because after he spent the next couple of days wandering through the house with his wife um he spoke with judas agent during this time stated that he intended to move out for good he just wanted time to say goodbye to his little girl he then told the agent that a car had taken his wife and daughter away after that conversation he doused judith and maria's bodies with gasoline and then uh attempted to set them on fire he then went into the garage and shot himself in the head oh my god okay um so her career that's the end they they don't have any reason why because he killed himself too right um so her career continued even after her death though she starred doing voiceover so the land before time came out after she had died Mm -hmm. i remember that all dogs go to heaven so both of those movies were released posthumously um Don Bluth, the director for Land Before Time, uh, said he was enchanted with Judith and the talent that she exuded. He said that he was had already planned and was intending to use her in his future films, uh, but he never got the chance, despite only a handful of movie movie appearance. She had definitely left her mark on the industry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, on August 9th, 1988, Judith and Maria Barzi were laid to rest in white caskets in unmarked graves at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Los Angeles. 
I don't know why I could not find why they were left in unmarked graves. But um, the graves went without headstones for over 16 years before donations made by the public could purchase the headstones, which were placed where her mother and daughter lay side beside each other. And then on hers, it says um, her name and her birth date and the date of her death. And then it says our concrete angel. And then underneath it, it says, yep, 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 which was the duckies catchphrase. Mm -hmm. And that is the very tragic and sad story of Judith Barsney. Barsney. I wonder if they were in unmarked graves because she had some sort of like, she had like willed her money someplace and being that they didn't have any family in country since they were both. Yeah. I, they, you know, they weren't really, it didn't really, I couldn't figure it out. I kept looking for it. And, um, I was like, I don't understand why they were born unless, yeah, her family was out of the country and that's all I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I so it's a very sad story well see and i knew about the story i knew that it was a child abuse case i did not know all the like details on her actual death and like what kind of abuse was happening you know what i mean yeah so yikes wow yeah i it's a very sad and depressing story um but the reason i thought of it and the reason i told it is because (laughs) I'm a terrible person is why. So we, when um, we're eventually planning on moving closer to my brother and sister, it's kind of Mm -hmm. an up in the air thing, but my dad and I will just randomly look at houses in the area and we found a castle. It's got a turret and everything and it's in our price range. And I was like, this is the most amazing house ever. And so I like sent it to my family chat and I was like, it's a cat. It's still a castle. We need it. I need a turret in my life. And Katie was like, what's a turret? And I was like, it's a tower, you jackass. <laughs> and she said, then why not just call it a fucking tower? And dad was like, well, it doesn't really have any sexual sort of being. <laughs> and I said, because turret sounds cooler, you are fucking cooler, you uncultured swine. And she said, let's not get into who's uncultured. And my dad goes, uncultured? Are you talking about yogurt or lab samples? And I said, dad, you made it weird. And then Nick says, you're both uncultured, or both in cultured swine and i mean the petri dish kind and katie goes you're a petri dish and then i sent a gif of petri from land before time mm-hmm. and my sister and i'm like if none of you get this you're both all on uncultured swine my sister's like land before time dick petri i love petri and i was like i love ducky and spike and nick goes petri was a boy ducky was a girl and you both don't even know and katie goes whatever he sounded like a girl and then I, we continued to uh, argue about it until I finally go, do you guys know that the girl who voiced Ducky was killed by her f- abusive father shortly after the movie aired? Because I didn't know the full story. And Nick goes, thank you for ruining my fucking evening. <laughs> and then I Googled what actually happened. And I was like, it was actually a double murder suicide. The dad killed her and her mother and then offed himself when he shot them all. So, and he goes, God, fuck off. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, what I'm here for, making things weird. <laughs> Sorry I had to bring it down, guys. I just wanted you all to know my random murder fact that I had stored up in the noggin. <laughs> noggin, noodle, 
my noodle nugget. My nugget. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So sorry for depressing that. I brought that down real quick. Well, I mean, mine's not much better. So oh, good. I mean, it's not child abuse. So there's cool. That. All right. So I'm gonna tell you about Katherine Olson. She she's a local gal. I legit do not remember this. <laughs> You, was i fucking there when you told me it sometimes i wonder if you're <laughs> if you're actually listening <laughs> this might be the test <laughs> so oh no okay sorry yeah. there we go i'm sorry it just like came <laughs> rushing back to me in a wave so just so everyone's aware so you don't have to like take out random 10 second increments of our thing where we have we're re-recording this <laughs> Because we didn't record my story the last time we recorded. A week so. later. We're re-recording this a week later, and I totally forgot what our story was about. So. Yes, we we wanted to give it a little bit of a, like, wait, you know? <laughs> so it was, like, a new story. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's really new. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember, like, bits and pieces, but I'm ready for the whole story now. All right, hell yeah. So, in 2007... Catherine was 24 years old and she lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Murderapolis, you mean? Yeah, Murderapolis. She she's rough. She's rough <laughs> and tumble up there. She uh, I lived in there. I know. I, I worded that weird. I lived in there. <laughs> I lived in there. <laughs> I lived inside it. <laughs> I had like a bubble in my throat. I had to You uh, always dude, I can I just tell you how many times in an episode you go, I have a bubble in my throat? <laughs> I don't know. Must have an issue with my GI tracts. <laughs> Everything's not working right. you forget to right. burp yourself after you have a beverage? <laughs> well, I just took a drink of a fizzy drink, so may have gotten caught up in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Catherine um, had, well, Catherine had parents. No fucking way. <laughs> Catherine's parents were a pastor and her mom was a high school English teacher. Um, she had a roommate and Catherine was described as being bright but impulsive. So a normal early 20s gal. Right. I so, would describe myself right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> bright but impulsive. Right, but impulsive. <laughs> um, she was the valedictorian co-valedictorian technically of her graduating class in 2002 her high school or in high school let me start this over <laughs> after high school uh she studied at saint olaf in northfield minnesota oh! she studied theater and hispanic studies i don't know what i don't know if it's like a historical study type of thing or what hispanic studies i wonder if it's more like uh, anthropological see and that's i'm like i'm not sure exactly what that entails but that's what they said yeah um and she graduated from saint olaf in 2006 okay she was active in her church and she sang in the choir and volunteered for several outreach groups through the church so she, she really enjoyed the person right like she and she really enjoyed working with kids so she mm -hmm. was always doing what she could to help volunteer for the different children's programs and stuff okay one of her side hustles was babysitting, which, again, she loves kids, so it was a natural thing. Um, she would sometimes babysit for people she found off of Craigslist. No, 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 no. Hey, no, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't do that. That just she, 
that just seems shady. Right. <laughs> I don't know why that came out weird. But I mean, in 2007, how much do people really think about all that? You know what I mean? Like there hasn't been the like. That was the first time I ever was on Facebook. It was 2007. 2007. I was know. the first like, it was like July. No, it was like April right after FCLA conference. Girl, our Girl. year, like our graduating class. Do you hear my neighbor? She was I singing. Did. Yeah. <laughs> She's just letting it all out. Just belting um, it out. But our class, the graduating class of 2007, was the first, like, year of students that was able to join Facebook and not have a college email. I remember because I couldn't have it until I was a senior because it was only a college thing. Yeah. Thing until then. And so, we were all... MySpace. Oh yeah, MySpace. Like how I throw the throw the peace sign duck face when I do peace sign duck face. That's where my eyebrows came from. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not have another ten minute conversation about your eyebrows that I have to cut out, please. Deal, deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus. In October of two thousand and seven, she responded to a babysitting ad off of Craigslist. The woman that she like had accepted the babysitting job from emailed her saying her name was Amy and she was looking for a babysitter in Savage, Minnesota for her children on the 25th of October. Is she living in Northfield now or did she move back to Minneapolis? She was living in Minneapolis okay. in 2007. Um, so she was only about 15 miles away from Savage. So okay. So that's not that Catherine far. Catherine was kind of like, sure, why not? You know? Okay. Uh, Amy gave Catherine an address and a cell phone number, and then on the 25th, Catherine told her roommate that she was going to go to a babysitting job in Savage, and that she she had gotten the job off of Craigslist, and then she also told her roommate that they the client seemed kind of strange. No! I know, like, she was getting this vibe from them, but it wasn't, like, anything definitive, so she just... Always kinda... trust your gut right unless oh, you've boy. had questionable mexican food yeah because then never then, trust your gut if you've had that it's coming out of me like lava <laughs> i believe that sentence came out of my mouth today oh no because it was this morning i got to work and i'm like oh no oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh, oh no <laughs> <laughs> so at at 9 a.m catherine called the cell phone number that she had gotten from this Amy girl and went to the address. So she left the house at about nine o'clock around eight o'clock the next morning. So on the 26th of October, the parks department or a parks department employee called the police department and told them that they had found a purse in a garbage can. Okay. okay. So this purse was retrieved by the police officers because the parks department basically leaves that to them in case there is any like evidence they need so they don't mess anything up you know right so the police department sends somebody out they retrieve the purse they bring it back to the stations the stations all of them all the stations all the stations at once shit um brought it to all the stations yeah so inside of the purse they found Catherine's license and then a phone number that was written on a piece of paper okay Naturally, the officers called the phone number and left a message saying that Catherine's purse had been found and that she could pick it up at the police department when she was able to. Right? Roger. 
Do you hear? Yeah. Jesus, Amanda. It probably won't actually show up in the podcast because I do reduce background noise, but... I I know, but just, like, randomly I'll hear it when I stop talking. I do hear her belting out those show tunes. Why, oh my (laughs) Anywho. So, eight hours after getting the purse, Catherine picked it up the end. Remember remember when I I told you? I remember that terrible joke that you fucked up telling and it confused you (laughs) (laughs) because i got into the story and then i was like i'm that's not what happened that's not what happened (laughs) (laughs) stupid Uh, well trying to like lighten things up a little bit (laughs) anywho so actually eight hours later the police were told that Catherine's mother had said that her Catherine would come to pick up the purse Okay, so her mother called back and said, one of us will come and get the purse by the end of the day. I'm assuming that the number they found, they never say it anywhere, that they found in the purse was her mom's, and that's why she called back, you know? That makes sense. Um, But the officer called Nancy back after that to kind of just check in, see if they knew when they'd be coming to get it. And that's when Nancy, Catherine's mother, obviously, Nancy, Nancy! told them that she wasn't able to get in contact with Catherine and she hadn't. So since she got a call, she had been trying to get a hold of Catherine and she couldn't. And that was like, so th- weird. Cause they were always talking like they were very close. Mm-hmm. So the other weird thing that Nancy said is that her phone call would go directly to voicemail, which she said Catherine always had her phone on. If she didn't have it on her, at least it would ring. So she's barely ever had it go directly to voicemail unless she knew she was going to have it off. That's so weird. Yeah. So either means that the phone is shut off or broken. Right. Exactly. So either way, Nancy like was. No concerned. one has ever used a cell phone before and needed to know what that meant. I know. I mean, I I'm glad why, that you. I don't know why the fuck I pointed that out. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you you said that because you know some people might be like I don't understand why that's weird and then Christina just came in with the win and told them that means it's off or broken. <laughs> I'm so fucking stupid. Continue. <laughs> okay, so I fucking hate you. <laughs> uh sorry. Okay. No, I'm sorry for that comment. <laughs> So Nancy did tell the police that she had spoken to Catherine's roommate who said that the last time he had seen her was that morning before, before he went to work on the 25th. Okay. And kind of told her everything that Catherine had told her that it was a job off of Craigslist. It was in Savage and she felt really weird about the job. The people were kind of odd. Um, So with the police hearing this, that's when they kind of, jumped on the investigation wagon so they went and they found this roommate right Mm -hmm. and talked to him and they were able to get into Catherine's email in the apartment I'm guessing the computer was already logged in or something so they just had to open up her computer and they printed out all the correspondence between Catherine and this woman named Amy uh that's when they found out found the address and the phone number so at 5.15 p.m. on October 26th, so this is like 
the next day that afternoon as soon as they found out so they were really on it I was Mm -hmm. pretty I was pretty impressed like as soon as they found out they were already printing off the things and finding their way to this address right yeah so at 5 15 p.m on October 26 they headed to the savage address (laughs) when when they got to this house it was dilapidated and bright aqua and nobody was home Sounds like a math house. Right? So, the detectives started talking to all the neighbors around, they knocking on doors, and they learned that Stephen and Barbara Anderson owned the house, and their 20-year-old son, Michael, lived there with them. Michael! Michael! The detectives left a business card at the Anderson's re- residence, and then went back to the police station, because what else can you really do at that point? The police officer that had retrieved the purse in the first place remembered that there was a garbage bag on or right next to an overlapping the purse when he got it so he went back to that garbage can and pulled out that garbage bag because what was that state park worker doing digging in the fucking trash can i don't know is if, a raccoon <laughs> what i'm wondering is if it was one of those like oh like graded, like graded ones? ones you know and so you could oh, look at us same brains <laughs> So you could see through it, and so he saw that there was a purse in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he went back to this garbage can, and he pulled out that bag. Well, he found the bag, looked into it as like gently as he could without doing anything to it, mm-hmm. saw that there was a light blue towel in it, and it looked like there was reddish brownish stains on it. Oh, that's definitely blood. Right? Like, that's not okay. So he immediately believed immediately believed that it was blood and called in the detectives that were supposed to take care of that sort of thing like the moida moida stuff (laughs) the moida stuff the moida detectives so he took the towel the detective took the towel out of the bag and noticed something was wrapped inside of it it was her smashed phone oh so her phone was broken then yes her parents um that's why it was going right to voicemail exactly weird (sighs) christina you're so smart so I think I've heard the story before. I know, weird. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine's parents officially ID'd the phone, so they knew it was hers. And there was a name written on the towel and permanent marker, like he was heading off to fucking. You know, camp. Barbara like wrote his name on all of his shit. Like his underwear had Michael in it. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like fucking Barbara, <laughs> foiled by his mother. <laughs> the name was Michael Anderson. Thank you. Oh, for for. Like they didn't the fucking know. Burying the lead. Like they didn't know. Just because you've heard it. You buried the lead. I exposed the lead. I exposed myself. No. Stupid. <laughs> and what? You know, I don't know what's happening even... inside your brain right now, but you need to stop it. <laughs> you need to just knock it off. <laughs> just, I just want to get through the story. <laughs> You're doing a wonderful job. All right. Barbara. So, I said not. You said Barbara. I said nothing about Barbara. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so oh, the name Jesus that was Christ. on the towel was Michael Anderson. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Should we cut all that out? I don't know. It's fine. No. Fuck it. I don't even know where to restart. So I guess we'll just fucking leave it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Fuck it. It is what it is at this point. We have to redo it. We all know what's happening. Well, you and I know what's happening, so it's hard not to voice things. (laughs) So 
<laughs> so they knew that Michael Anderson lived at the address that they went to. So there's one more check in the we know what happened um, boxes. So they did it, did it, did it. Now I don't know where. Oh, <laughs> it's because I'm going off fucking script. Amanda, stop it. <laughs> I don't know why. After I'm the here. discovery of the cell phone. <laughs> I don't know why my butthead laugh came out there. <laughs> uh, so, after they had discovered the cell phone, the detectives got a phone call. And it was Barbara calling back Barbara. because she had gotten the business card and was like, well, what the heck? What do you need? Well, what the heck? Because she's <laughs> a Minnesotan mom. Exactly. Her name is Barb. Well, hey, what do you need? Well, what oh. do you need? Oh, you're looking for Michael there? Oh, all right. Well, here's his cell phone number. He's at work at the MSP airport. Like, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> mom. That's legitimately the conversation that went down. <laughs> Jesus, so, mom. What, are, what the heck? is falling off the rails so fast this is way funnier than the first time we told it <laughs> but yeah so she straight up was just like oh you're looking for michael huh well he's at work refueling planes at msp here's his phone number for you <laughs> for you turns out michael. same number that was in the email from amy this bitch so i have mm-hmm. a question did she talk yeah. to him on the phone like did he pretend to be a woman he must have, because I don't know how else this would have worked out. You know what I mean? Because she called the number, but then I'm like, that it doesn't say she talked. Creep, if he. Cheated. Yeah, well, it, but it doesn't ever say that she actually talked to Amy on the phone. It says they that she called the number Amy had given her and then left to go to the address. So I don't know if she called and nobody answered. So she was like, "Well, I guess I'll just go," because you know she had already said she'd go. You know, I don't know. Either way. I don't know. Maybe. Wouldn't be surprised if he did. Either way. It's fucking creepy. Either way, no. No likey. Me no likey. So, Michael was arrested when he was leaving work that day. Um, A search of the area by the purse was dispatched, and a helicopter was flying overhead, spotted Catherine's car in a parking lot, in a nature reserve about a mile away from there. Um, the police officers went and officially ID'd the car and were able to get the license plate number so they knew it was her car. Uh, in the trunk, they found Catherine's body oh, no. uh, wrapped up in a sleeping bag. Sad she day. Right. She was shot in the back with a 357 Magnum handgun. She had been she had not been sexually assaulted though. Like she had just basically been shot and then dumped. Okay. Uh well, not Anderson- okay, but well, right, but <laughs> go on. <laughs> right. Go go on. <laughs> the Anderson home was then searched, and in Michael's bedroom, they found a shell casing from a 357 Magnum, along with blood spatter on the wall <gasps> and the mattress. I forgot about that blood. Yeah, and they also found smears of blood down the stairs that looked like they that looked like a body or something had been dragged down the stairs from the top floor. Well, where the fuck was Barbara when this was going on? 
Chrissy, she wasn't fucking home. That's why she wasn't home when they knocked, you know? She was at work. She's a working woman. Fucking Barbara. I guess I don't know. I didn't really investigate Barbara. I didn't, like, look into her. (laughs) So maybe she just is oblivious. She was just washing dishes the whole time, not paying attention. you like, thump, thump, thump. Michael, you need some help there? (laughs) No, ma. Mom, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let me know if you need anything, sandwich or anything like that. Okay, so. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anywho, (laughs) they also found blood on Michael's shoes when he was arrested. So. Motherfucker didn't even get rid of the shoes? Yeah, no. Stupid. Right? So hours after Catherine, Catherine's body was found, Michael was questioned. He claimed that he didn't kill Catherine. The detectives showed him all of the evidence that they had already accumulated. And so, said, yeah, you fucking did. Exactly. It's like, um, nice try, buddy. We know. I mean, you might have. <laughs> <laughs> and so Michael's response was that he didn't kill Catherine. He was just there when Catherine was killed. Exactly. Giant air quotes, the biggest ones ever. So he claims that his friend was the killer, that his friend shot Catherine because he thought it would be funny. Nothing about that sounds funny. That's not a joke. So unless you're gonna shoot her with like a marshmallow gun or something, that's not Yeah, exactly. Like it's not it's not a joke. You're a terrible human. So Michael was charged with first-degree murder and went to trial in March of 2009. So, like, a couple years later. Okay. Uh, The prosecutor said that Michael posed as Amy and posted that he needed a babysitter on Craigslist to lure a young woman to his home, which seems like the most reasonable thing. Well, not reasonable, but, like, most likely thing. Yeah. Um, I knew when what Cath- you meant. Right. When Catherine arrived, they believed that sh- that he somehow convinced her to come to his bedroom. I'm guessing at gunpoint, because if he shot her, he probably had it on him. Yeah. Uh, so he then just shot her because he wanted to feel what it felt like to kill somebody. <gasps> yeah. I just don't... I don't know. The answer's probably not good. It probably didn't feel good. Yeah, and if it does, you should you should you should get that checked. You should go go someplace instead <laughs> of doing it. Thank you. Um, so the de- defense agreed. They said that Michael did pose as Amy and lured Catherine to his home, but they said that he didn't plan to kill her. <laughs> they said that Michael was a twenty-year-old high school dropout who had never been on a date. He posted an ad to lure a woman there for sex. So, so he's going to appara- rape her? Yeah, this is what I said. I'm like, so he's luring her to rape her, not kill her. And that's supposed to be like better, much better. Like, I don't understand. Anyway, so Stupid. they said that he was hoping to have consensual and romantic sex. How creepy is that? But I just don't know. Under- we're a stranger I don't know to have cre- have creepy, creepy. romantic sex. <laughs> but like they also said that yes, he did pull out a gun, but no, he didn't mean to shoot it at her. It just slipped. That's not that's right. not how any of this works. 
So the defense attempted to get a doctor to testify who had diagnosed Michael with Asperger's syndrome. And apparently this would explain why he posted a babysitting job to lure a woman in thinking it would somehow turn into a romantic relationship because I'm just going to go ahead and say no. Right. That's, I mean, I understand that like autism, Asperger's, it's like, you can't read social cues. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense. No. So they also said that this made Michael clumsy, which explains why the gun was shot accidentally. The judge did not allow this. (laughs) I would fucking hope not. He's like, uh, no, this is flimsy at best. So, Michael was found guilty of first-degree murder, and in April of 2009, he was sentenced to life with no chance of parole. Uh, This is actually the very first homicide that is attributed to Craigslist. So, oh, shit. Hence the, like... Maybe there wasn't really a thought about, like, how it could have been as dangerous as it was, you know? Yeah, I suppose. There was no there was no lessons ahead of her, you know? Couldn't see it happening for other people. But anyway, I, so... I don't like it. I know. So in May of 2009, there was a memorial held for Catherine. The Craigslist founder, Craig Newmark, actually came and spoke at the memorial, calling to remind people to be careful on anything they do online, make sure that they know what they're doing. And he donated an unknown amount of money in a scholarship in, for a scholarship in the memory of Catherine. Well, that's nice. Right. So Wolf and Nancy, um, her parents, obviously, never blamed Craigslist for her death. They weren't bitter about that. They, they said that the loss was incredibly hard for them, but they tried their best to move on with life as normal as it could be afterwards. They know that they can never get things back to the way that they were, and they just have learned to live with their new normal. The couple says that their lives after Catherine's death was like an orchestra with a single out-of-tune instrument. So it's still beautiful, but something just isn't right. So I'm like... Oh, it's so sad. I know. I was like, that is so artistic. Look at you guys being all... It's so beautiful, and yet so sad. I know. But that yeah, so such a, that was a good story. I heard it twice and I liked it. <laughs> I'm glad you still like it. <laughs> Lord Almighty. I'm I mean, it's an interesting story and yeah. I really I don't know. I had no idea that all that was in Minnesota. I had no idea that that had happened. It was yeah. one of those things that was like, "Oh, where oh, was no. I?" I don't understand. I, I know. Well, that's my thing. I'm like, I wasn't even like a baby at that time. We were 18, 20. I think I lived, because I lived in Minneapolis and it was a scary city, I tried to avoid hearing about murders happening around me. (laughs) And to be fair, I don't watch the news. So, I mean, I tried my best to not watch as much of the negative news as I could. So I did my best. But yeah, that's it. That's the story of Miss Catherine. That was a good job. You did a wonderful job, kid. Thanks, friend. You look like the 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) I look like the girl from... I sounded like the girl from... (laughs) You look like the 4th of July. (laughs) Yes! The girl from Legally Blonde. Yeah. (laughs) 
the way I said it, I was like, I gotta keep going because I sound like her. <laughs> I haven't thought about that fucking movie in years. You look like the 4th of July. Wow. You look like the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shit, son. Oh, so, God. That was good. That, that was... That, that was, was a moment. That was a moment that we had that we'll never get back. No, what yep. is happening? Some well, things are happening. Hold on. Stop touching stuff. There we go. All right. Well, I don't have anything. I think that you look like the 4th of July was a good way to end it. All right, kids. So, July. <laughs> so uh, follow on all the platforms subscribe instagram and i guess twitter and twitter if you want Amanda still hasn't signed into it so no of course i haven't (laughs) it's not a priority on my list you know (laughs) if i get to it i fucking get to it you know take care of yourself out there guys Mm -hmm. we're recording this the night before my surgery so you know if i die You're probably never going to hear this. (laughs) I don't know how to, I don't know how to edit. So, I mean, I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. Uh, Tom and Linda, could I, could I get her computer? (laughs) I'll write a memorial post. And that was the end. The end! Well, I'm sorry about the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. Let's stop talking about it though, (laughs) because I could actually die. Oh, stop. Anyway, spread the word. Spread yourself. Take care of yourselves. I'm not letting Amanda say any of the closing part anymore. Just wait. (laughs) Just fucking wait. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, love you. Love you. Love you too. You look like the. I can't do it now. I don't. I'm not in it. (laughs) Get out of there. Get out. Turn it off.